We're in the middle of a series called uh, New World Order, where we're looking through the book of Philippians. I just want to apologize right now because I'm sure at some point in the middle of this message, I will say the book of the Philippines. I know what it's called. I just say the wrong word sometimes. If you're from Mississippi, you are called a Mississippian. And if you're from an old city called Philippi, they call you a Philippian. And that's how I remember what Philippians is. But I still will probably say Philippines. I don't know why I do that. Anybody ever say stuff you didn't mean to? I always do that. Um, so I'm excited to be uh, sharing the message today from Philippians chapter 3. <clears throat> I almost said Philippians chapter 3. Philippians chapter 3. Um, so if uh, you want to go ahead and turn there, that'd be awesome. Or if you want to follow along on the YouVersion Bible app, you can go to the YouVersion Bible app, tap more in the menu, and then tap either events or live. I think it's live is what they call it now. And you should be able to find us there. In this chapter, um, Paul talks about goals. What is our goal as a Christian? And that got me thinking, you know, there may be uh, some of you here who are some single guys and you may have a goal coming up next month. It's Valentine's Day. You may have a goal to get a date. And I want to be able to help you with that goal. You see, because I'm married now, I have some pickup lines that I don't need anymore. <laughs> and I wanted to share a few. Actually, I would love for, for someone to come up and help me. Daniel, would you join me on the stage, please? Yes, let's give Daniel a hand. Can we get some vibe music going, going in the back, please, Tom? Can you put on some vibe music? Uh, so, 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 Daniel, I have some pickup lines, and I, I want your help to, uh, to share these. I wasn't prepared at all. Well, at least somebody was prepared. Somebody was prepared. <laughs> yeah, so, so he has no idea what's coming. But I have some, some, uh, some pickup lines. Go ahead and step up forward just a little bit more. And uh, so, so it, you know, as married men, it's our responsibility to pass on what we know. So I have some pickup lines I want to pass on. So you can take notes if you need them. Um, so this will work best if you don't sit and read the whole thing and then you say, just pick it up and read it. It goes funnier that way. Okay, so don't think about it, just read it. Just read it. Okay. Because if you think about it, then, then you're going you're to go. <laughs> you really want me to say that? Yes. I'll have to get the recording later to find out where I read it. <laughs> okay. All right, here we go. Pick up line number one. Here it is. On a scale of one to ten, you're a nine, and I'm the only one you need. <laughs> so I've never had to use these before, so I don't know if these are any good. I can only judge whether or not they're good based on your laughter or your, uh, so however you react is how I know if these are any good. Here's the next one. If I had a garden, I'd put your tulips and my tulips together. <laughs> okay, that, was, that wasn't terrible. I got some laughter there. <laughs> I can't help you while I'm reading it. I'm sorry. Number three. <clears throat> If I wrote the alphabet, I would rearrange the letters so that I could be next to you. Oh, that one got Oz. That one would work. You ready? A keeper. I, that was a keeper, yeah. You ready? Do you believe in love at first sight, or should I walk past again? Okay, I don't know. No, no, okay. My personal favorite. Okay. Are you my appendix because I don't understand how you work? And this feeling in my gut makes me want to take you out. <laughs> Another keeper. That, that was a keeper. Are you my appendix? Because I don't understand how you work. But this feeling in my gut makes me want to take you out. You should use that one on your wife. I was just thinking, she's a nurse. 
So maybe, you know, the medical thing. Yeah, it would work. That's a good connection. Valentine's Day is coming. Valentine's Day is coming. Let's give Daniel a round of applause. Thank you. So if it's your goal, if you have a goal of finding a date by next month, uh, hopefully that would help you. Use the appendix line or the alphabet thing. Maybe that'll help. <clears throat> Probably not. Uh, but that's not the kind of goal that Paul was talking about in Philippians chapter 3. Uh, and we're going to dig into the scripture today to see exactly what the goal for the Christian um, uh, should be. If you're in Philippians chapter 3, say, mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. All right, uh, Philippians chapter 3, so we're going to start in verse 7. So right before this, Paul was talking about how uh, I followed all the rules. I knew what the Old Testament said, and I did all the stuff. I followed God's rules flawlessly. Verse 7, but whatever were gains to me, whatever those gains that he had in following all the rules, whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ and be found in him, <clears throat> not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. I want to know Christ. Yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death. If you're taking notes, here's the first one. No matter which way it's sliced, the goal is to know Christ. No matter which way it's sliced, the goal is to know Christ. I like um, some participation. I want to know that you're with me, so let's try it again. No matter which way it's sliced, the goal is to know no matter which way it's, Christ. the goal is to know, Christ. to know Christ. That's what our goal is, and I hadn't flipped my page yet. I think if we were to pull people in your neighborhood, maybe even if we were to pull some people uh, in this room, and we ask, what's the goal of Christianity? Now, you would all say, well, it's to know Christ. But before that point, uh, if we were to pull people and, and, and say, what's the goal of Christianity? Some people in this room, perhaps, and certainly people in our community, would probably say something about being a good person. The goal of Christianity is to be the best person you can be, to be better than today than I was yesterday, you know, to do more good today than I did yesterday, to uh, leave the world in a better place. That's not the goal of Christianity. That may happen as a result of the goal, but it is not the goal of Christianity. In fact, following all those rules, following rules is not central to a faith, uh, to, our, to our Christian faith. Following rules isn't the center point. In fact, Paul in this passage calls them garbage. I consider all of those, that rule following, that was garbage. King James says, I consider it dung compared to knowing Christ. No matter which, which way it's, the goal's to know that's what Paul says. <clears throat> so you may say, well, if that's all it takes, I just need to know Jesus. If that's my goal, shoot, that's easy. Well, hang on now. Paul talks about what knowing Christ actually looks like. We're going to look at that in uh, uh, verse 10. We just read it. I want to know Christ. What's that look like? Yes, to know the power of his resurrection. That's letter A. 
you can, uh, sub point A, you can write that down, to know the power of his resurrection. If you want to know Christ, it starts by knowing the power of his resurrection. This is really the, the gospel message. If you don't know the power of the resurrection, let me just break it down for you. God created us to be together. That's how he made us, to be together. This is how he wants us. But we sinned. Adam and Eve sinned first, and ever since then, we, we've inherited their sin. So we're born with a sinful nature. And our sin, I'm going to pretend the cell phone is my sin, our sin separates us from God. He wants us to be together, but it's not possible because of the separation between, between me and him called sin. It's the separation. And the only way that sin can be removed is if there's innocent blood. There has to be an innocent one, or in the Old Testament it was an animal. An innocent one has to die to pay the price for this sin. My penalty, the penalty for my sin, the penalty for your sin is death. No amount of doing good stuff, no amount of rule following, no amount of Bible reading eliminates this gap between us and God. The only thing that can eliminate the gap is the innocent paying the price for the guilty. Innocent blood eliminates that. And that's what God did. God, because he loved us, came as Jesus. He was not guilty of sin, but he took our sin upon himself died in, on the cross, was buried. I don't want to drop my phone. Usually I drop whatever I'm holding, but not my phone. He was buried, and he resurrected. And in the, in the process, in the act of resurrection, it eliminated that gap. That's the power of the resurrection. Now, today, now anyone who points to Jesus as the answer and opens their life up to him can be made just like God wants it to be to begin with. He made us to be together, and it's because of the power of the resurrection that we can have a relationship with him today. Somebody say, preach! Thank you. That's the power of the resurrection. And you may be thinking, well, yeah, I know that. That's easy enough. I know Jesus. I know Jesus. That's cool. Well, this verse continues. Let's see what it says next. To know, I want to know Christ, to know the power of his resurrection, got it, and participation in his sufferings. Ugh. Suffering. I thought Christianity was supposed to be easy. Nope. Sorry. Christianity is better. It will make your life better, but it will not make your life easier. What's it mean to participate in the suffering of Jesus? I think Jesus gave us a good look at that in John chapter 15, verses 18 and 19. Jesus described what participation in his sufferings looked like. Jesus said to his disciples, if the world hates you, Keep in mind that it hated me first. If you belong to the world, it would love you as its own. But as it is, you do not belong to the world. But I have chosen you out of the world. That is why the world hates you. We participate in Christ's suffering when we share in his treatment. Jesus was rejected once in a while. If you're living for Jesus, if you truly know him, you're going to be rejected. That's what sharing and uh, participating in his sufferings uh, means. Really, to do that, we're going to have to stand out. I don't know about you, but I kind of like to blend in. You know, I don't want to have to 
stand out, because then it's risky. It's risky. Somebody might laugh at me or say, you're a nerd, call me a name, ignore me, might not get invited to something. But we're going to have to stand out if we participate in the suffering of Christ. And you have a chance. You have a chance to stand out. When you're watching a movie with your friends and there's a bad scene that comes on, what do you do? You, you have a chance to stand out. You can sit and stare. You can get up and walk away or stare a hole into the ground. You have a chance to stand out. Someone mis mistreats you and you love them back anyway. That's a chance to stand out. Or someone nearby, how about this one? Someone nearby you at work or school says, oh, my aching back, or oh, I have such a headache. You have a chance to stand out and say, well, can I pray for you? You have a chance to stand out. Watch, that's going to happen tomorrow. Somebody's going to come into work complaining because they slipped on, yeah, so they slipped today, shoveling their snow, and they're going to say, man, my back hurts because I slipped and fell on my butt. It hurts. My back all hurts. My neck is out of, out of whack, and oh, I feel terrible. Hey, chance. You have a chance to stand out and say, can I pray for you? I believe God loves me. I know God loves me, and I believe he loves you too. Can I pray for you? When we do these things, it's like, it's like Isaac shared a moment ago. We, we get to play tag. 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 When we play tag, we're going to stand out. And when we stand out, sometimes we'll be rejected. Sometimes we will be rejected. And that's about how it rolls. Jesus said, this world will hate you, but they hated me first. Knowing Christ means we participate in his suffering. And here's the third thing knowing Christ means. Becoming like him in his death. Boy, this is getting worse and worse. It started with power in his knowing the power of the, the resurrection. And then it got rougher when we said participating in suffering. And now I'm supposed to die? That's what knowing Jesus means? Let me set the record straight. This doesn't mean actually die. Like, I don't want you to go die. This is about um, the sinful nature being put to death on a regular basis. The Bible describes we put on Christ. And I put on Christ. I'm a Christian, and, and I have the power to live a holy life. That's the, ver the kids are doing a memory verse right now that goes, God's power has given us everything we need to lead a godly life. Those are the hand motions. I have that memorized. Um, God's power gave us everything we need to, to lead a godly life. And that's, that's what happens when I put on Christ. But you know, Adam's power keeps trying to stick its ugly head up. Every time I think I have sin eliminated from my life, it sticks to my shoe like gum. Or I, I, man, I, guess I haven't gotten my old, my old self off all the way. Does anybody ever sin once in a while? Yeah, okay. It, it, then you know what I'm talking about. Nobody has it all together. Paul didn't even have it all together. He called himself the chief of sinners. I don't think he was the worst sinner, like he sinned more than everyone else. But here's what it was. The closer you get to Christ, the more that you know Christ, the more you will see in your life. It's like science class. You're looking at a microscope. And if you, when, when you're, when you're looking at your life for the first time, you're going to see some, some gunk in your life. And you're going to say, oh, this isn't, this isn't a... This isn't what God wants for my life. And you're going to begin to uh, kill your, your evil desires. You're going to begin to kill your sinful nature. 
And as you do that, you will know Christ more. You will be drawing closer to Christ. And it's like science class. Imagine the microscope, you flip it. And you just went from 10x to 50x. You can see more. You amplified. Getting closer to Christ will amplify what you can see. Oh, I, I thought I had all the sin wiped out, but whoops, there's more. And you start to kill your sinful man, clean up your life. That will lead to you being closer to Christ. And when you're closer to Christ, God will amplify the, um, the magnification. And all of a sudden, you'll be at 300x. Whoa, there was more in there. I think Paul was so close to Christ that he could say, he was so close to Christ, he could see all, all of it. And he's saying, I am the chief among sinners. <clears throat> we all have some old self-killing to do. And the closer you are to God, the more of your old sinful self you will see. So you may be thinking uh, right now, I don't know Christ as well as I thought I did, if that's what it means. I think re re really we should all kind of have that experience. If this is what knowing Christ means, that's rough. Nobody here, in my view, nobody here should be able to say, I know Christ all the way. Because there's a process. This is what knowing Christ looks like. And no matter which way it's sliced, the goal is to know Christ. Mm -hmm. Paul didn't even have it all together. And he, he says that. We're going to continue here reading uh, chapter 3, verses 12. We're going to start in verse 12. So look back down at it. Not that I've already obtained all this. Not that I know Christ fully or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead. I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Here's number two. You won't thrive if you don't strive. You won't thrive if you don't strive. I like participation, so we're going to try it one more time. You won't thrive if you don't thrive. That's right. If you want a good relationship with Jesus, if you want to know Christ, guess what? It's not going to fall into your lap. You won't thrive if you don't strive. Uh, Paul talks about this elsewhere in Romans 12, 11. He says, never be lacking in zeal, but always keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. I think some of us live as though uh, this verse says, be lacking in zeal once you reach a certain age. Yeah. <laughs> That's the dumbest thing I have. Never, never, everybody say never. Never. Never be lacking in zeal, but always keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. I think a great example of this is my grandpa Coleman. And those of you who have been in this area long enough uh, could remember him. He would drive around into his 70s. He put signs up on his car that said, Jesus saves, God bless America. That's kind of weird, but <laughs> what zeal? Amen. I want to have that kind of zeal. In the earlier service, I said, I want to be like that. And my wife was here, and she's like, you are not putting signs on your car. <laughs> it's okay, I'm not. But I want to have that kind of zeal, that kind of passion for the Lord when I'm 
not just 15, but when I'm 35, when I'm 45, when I'm 75, when I'm 85. I still want to have that same kind of zeal serving the Lord because I'm not going to thrive if I don't strive. Jesus told an illustration about this. He told a parable of the, uh, of the bags of gold. And he had three servants together. And um, the, the parable goes like this. There was a master, and he, and he gave the first servant, uh, I think it was five, yeah, gave five bags of gold. And that servant went and invested it. And, and when the master came back, uh, he had doubled that five bags of gold and gave, brought back ten bags of gold. And the master said, hey, hey, great job. And with the second servant, the master gave him two bags of gold. And that servant went, invested it, and came back with four bags of gold. He doubled it. And the master said, hey, hey, great job. And the third servant, he gave one bag of gold. And that guy was too scared to invest it. He weaned out. He hid it. And when the master came back, he said, Master, I, I, didn't, I didn't want to lose any of it, so, so I didn't even take a risk. I'm just going to give it back to you. And the master said to that servant, you are worthless. You should have, you didn't even put it in the bank to get some interest. Shame on you. This is my paraphrase, clearly. It's Matthew 25, you can read it. But the third servant was scared and he hid what the master had given him and he didn't even bring interest and the master was not happy calling him a worthless servant. Our master, Jesus, has given us bags of gold. He's given us our life and he's given us a chance. That's what our life is. It's but a vapor, James calls it. He's given us a chance to strive and to push towards him in our spiritual walk. So we should strive in brotherly love with each other. We should strive to open up our Bible every day. We should strive to pray with our Lord regularly. It doesn't just happen. Oh, but that's hard, Pastor Adam. Yeah, that's why the word strive. <laughs> Striving implies, implies some effort. But that's hard. Look at James chapter 1, uh, verse 3. For, we, uh, for you know that when your faith is tested, when things get hard, your endurance has a chance to grow. God's given us a chance to play tag, so to speak. He's given us a chance to strive towards him. And we should take it. Somebody say, preach it. Let's look at point number three. Uh, it's coming from uh, the next verse down, um, starting in verse 17, 17 through 19. Paul says, join together in following my example, brothers and sisters. And just as you have us as a model, keep your eyes on those who live as we do. For as I have often told you before and now tell you again, even with tears, Many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their destiny is destruction. Their God is their stomach. They worship their stomach. That means they, they, whatever feels good or tastes good, they just do it and take it. Their glory is in their shame. Their mind is set on earthly things. So here's Paul. Paul is telling the Philippians, they don't have a lot of spiritual examples in their life. Like, like, like there's not like lots of churches in Philippi. So he says, join, me to, join together 
and follow my example. Just, just watch me and do what I've done. That's why point number three is your journey is hollow if there's no one to follow. Your journey is hollow when there's no one to follow. Let's do it together. Your journey is hollow when there's no one to follow. That's right. So Paul's saying, watch me. They didn't have anybody else to watch. Don't watch the other influences. Their God is their stomach. They do whatever feels good, whatever tastes good, whatever they feel like doing it. If it feels good, must be right. Don't follow them. Watch me, is what Paul's saying. We need somebody to watch. Okay, so here's, here's a, a, I have a letter A and a letter B under this. It's not on the screen because I came up with it at the very last moment. Uh, so here's letter A. Somebody is following you. You can write that down. Or if you're on your phone, you can go take notes and you can write that in. Letter A, somebody is following you. Somebody's always following you. And um, like show choir and in productions and on, when you're doing stage performances, they always tell you, assume always somebody is looking at you. Just because you're in the back corner and there's all these people in front of you, on a production, you should assume someone in the audience is looking. <laughs> hey, Christian. Assume somebody is looking. Somebody is following you. Parents, this is huge for you. This is huge. If you have a child, they're looking at you. They don't get to know what Jesus is like if it's not for you. I was um, putting my daughter, I have a, I have a three-year-old Caleb and a two-year-old Elizabeth, and I was putting my two-year-old Elizabeth to sleep the other night, and I had her in my arm. And uh, I was singing, Jesus loves me, loves me. And we were do doing it back and forth. And um, like I would say a line, and then she would finish it. So I was going, Jesus loves. And she would go, me. <laughs> this I know. For the daddy tells me so. <laughs> and I laughed at it. And, and I thought, no, 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 no. I wanted to know that the Bible is the truth. And I said, no, no, it's the Bible. And I stopped. She was right. Jesus loves me, this I know, for my daddy told me so. The Bible does not have power in her life unless I bring it to her. She can't read. The Bible doesn't magically pop into her brain. It's not going to have power unless it's brought to her. Then it has a chance to have power in her life. So yeah, for, for a two-year-old, it's exactly right for her to say, Jesus loves me, this I know, because my daddy told me so. And it was at that moment, this was like last week, I realized what an influence I had. Man, I can't screw this up. Mom, dad, you can't either. Don't screw this up. We've only got a few weeks before they're graduating high school. They're watching. They're watching. With this thought in mind, our church is taking a step to influence our children's life, lives as much as possible. Um, if you don't have kids, don't tune out. Because if you're a part of this church, the next generation should matter to you. If you care about this church, it, it, should, it should matter. The next generation should matter. But we know what's, what happens at home is far more important than what happens here. We only have 
if we're lucky, 40 hours in a year to spend and invest into children on the weekend. But moms and dads have 3,000 hours to invest into their children. So that's why starting in February, February 2nd, 2nd and 3rd, our church is going to look a little more orange. And I'm going to let this video explain what that means. Weekend Kids program on February 2nd and 3rd is going to be using a program called Orange. And uh, it's one of the best uh, to, if not the best, arguably the best, in partnering with parents. And we're going to do that. Uh, two influences, right? So, so mom and dad, you get to say some good things to your kids. That's good. In church, we get to say good things to, to, to the kids. That's good. But when we start saying the same things to our kids, that's not one plus one anymore. That's two times two. That's multiplication. There's, there's a synergy effect that'll happen when two influences combined. And when the light of the church and the, uh, the heart of the home, yellow and red, get together, it makes orange. That's where orange comes from. So starting in February 2nd and 3rd, kids K through 5 are going to be over here like they always have been. Nursery will be over there like it always has been. And we're going to pull out preschool, three, four, and five-year-olds. And they're going to be down here in the other room next to the nursery, not in the nursery. And it's going to be a preschool class right there. We think we're going to shepherd the hearts of the kids and set parents up best if we do it that way. Somebody say, yeah. yeah. One of the ways that Orange, the Orange program, uh, will help us really great uh, is with an app called the Parent Q. If you're a parent like me, uh, you, you probably aren't an expert like me. In parenting, because you know this is this is my first time doing it. Your first time too, if you're a parent. We, we mean by definition, unless you believe in reincarnation, which this church doesn't. This is this is it, the first time. Um, so we're, we're all in the same boat. We're doing the best we can. Um, and this app, the Parent Q app. If you're a parent 
or an uncle or an aunt or a grandparent and you interact with kids I would, anywhere from high school or under, I would encourage you to grab this app. Uh, so so I, I grabbed this app and I, um, I've been using it for a few weeks because I knew this was coming up. And I put in my kids' names and their um, birth dates. And, and it'll, this is good for middle school, high school too. But I put in my, my kids and um, it comes up and it tells me how many weeks I have before they graduate. And I thought, oh, oh. At first I went, oh, I don't, <laughs> my kid's going to graduate. But yeah, that, that's a reminder. That's all I have. I better take this serious. That's a reminder that, 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 that there's an end to this. And I, I need to use every week I have to invest in and, and help my ch- children run towards Jesus. And then I scrolled down a little bit, and there's a video that they would have watched the previous Sunday. So I can review with, our, with my kids what, what they worked on. And if I go down a little further, there's the memory verse, and they're going to be giving me parenting tips. Hey, this month, say this. This month, this week, when you get your kid up out of bed, this is what the thing to say. And it's very simple. And I've been using it for three weeks at my own home, and it's making a big difference with my kids. I love it. Uh, there was one Bible story that I watched with, with my son, Caleb. We were laying on the floor, and we were watching it on my little phone. And, um, and they told the story of how Jesus healed a deaf man. And they, they unpacked it in a beautiful way that, like, my kid understood what death meant through this video. And... Um, and when the teachers in the, the little five-minute video, the, the storyteller said, and then Jesus prayed for him, and he could hear, my son says, wow! <laughs> and my heart warmed up because my three-year-old just realized that the king of the world that we serve has real-life super, superhero powers, healing powers. He knows PJ Mask is... Not real. But Jesus is, and the videos make it very clear that this is a, a real life story. That's life change, folks. Amen. There's a lot of adults that don't even realize that Jesus has power. And my three-year-old does because of this, and I'm really excited about it. But if you're not a parent, someone is still following you. Somebody is still looking at you. Coworkers who know you're a Christian are watching you to see how a Christian lives especially in our, um, uh, in our nation's climate right now, uh, we have some politicians claiming Christianity and are doing things that turn some people off. Politicians kind of have to do that sometimes just to do what they do. But there's some people thinking, well, if that's what Christianity looks like, I don't want a thing with it. If, 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 no. Do you know how to counter that? Live. You go to work, go to school, and live as God-honoring as you can. Because they will look at your example. I really hope that each, each of you, each of us in this room, is a louder example of Christianity than any politician. Like, we're, we're next to these people. We should be a louder example of Christianity than someone on TV. Somebody say, that's right. You are a witness for Jesus every day, even if you say nothing. The question is, what kind of a witness are you? All right, so that was letter A. Uh, um, Somebody's following you. And here's letter B. We're following somebody. Oh, no, I'm not, Pastor Adam. I am independent. Oh, you're following somebody or something. 
You are. We are all following somebody. It's our human nature to follow the loudest voice, and uh, sometimes we, f- we just follow the loudest nearby person. So who is it? Your boss? The cool kid? Public opinion on Facebook? It should be known that just because you read it a lot on Facebook doesn't make it right. That should get a louder that's right than that. Okay. What are you following? Culture that has widely accepted sin as normal, normal behavior? Co-workers or classmates? We have to watch this. We have to watch this. Paul warned the, the Corinthian church, um, 1 Corinthians something, 1533, do not be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. We have to watch who we're, who we're by. Who, who are we following? Something out there or the Bible? Solid Christians. Paul says, if you don't have anybody else to look at, look at me. Somebody who's done this Christianity thing longer than, than you have. Just look with them. If you don't have anybody to look at, to follow in your Christian example, uh, don't let, let the group semester go by without getting in a group. We have all kinds of opportunities for you to rub shoulders with other Christians so you can have an example uh, to follow. I like the example of, uh, I've used it before, we should all be sheep at the front and shepherds at the back so that as we're following Jesus, I'm a sheep. I'm following Jesus, but there's somebody else I'm following who's being a shepherd to me, and I'm being a sheep. And at the same time, somebody behind me and I'm being a shepherd to them. I'm going to be a shepherd at the back and they're going to be a sheep towards me. I think that's a solid Christian life. I think that's our Christian journey is to be a sheep at the front and a shepherd at the back as we all together run towards Jesus. So who's following you and who are you following? Do you need to adjust it? If you do, like put a star next to that on your sheet so you can go think about that because um, you need to make that change. If you're not following a godly example, you need to make that change. Can we stand together? Let's pray. Lord, I pray that you give us uh, more and more opportunities to know you deeper. Lord, give us an opportunity to participate in your suffering, to stand out, to play tag, to take you someplace. Lord, I pray when that happens, when we get those opportunities, Lord, I pray that you give us a boldness to stand out, to make you known. Lord, I pray that our uh, spiritual journey is strengthened today as we consider who we're following and who's following us. It's our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 We're going to have prayer partners here at the front. If you have a prayer need, uh, don't leave and take it with you by yourself. Come up here and have somebody um, agree with you with you in prayer. Go with God. You're dismissed.